Good day, and welcome back to the Investigating Ikiga podcast with myself, Joe Taylor. Today, our special guest is a fellow colleague of mine in the Methodist Church of Southern Africa. His name is Mohomotsi Dutoleng, and in addition to his ministerial duties in the Methodist Church, he is an author, a public speaker, a facilitator, and a self-defined spiritualist. I've been lucky enough to attend a number of spiritual retreats that he has directed, and he approaches spirituality from a real inclusive standpoint where he draws in information and theories from psychology, sociology, and a bunch of different elements to really describe how spirituality can develop and grow and benefit our lives. Mohamotsi has written uh, one book at the moment with another one on its way. Uh, the current book that he has written is called The Creative Passionate Genius, and we chat about it a little bit during this episode. This episode, we really dig into the psychological elements of faith and spirituality and how having a healthy spiritual life can benefit us in all areas of our life. Mohamotsi speaks about how his Ikiga has assisted him to be creative and passionate and productive about his, his life and his approach to faith and spirituality. Hi, Mohamotsi, and welcome to the Investigating Ikiga podcast. Uh, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show with me. Ah, thank you very much, uh, uh, Joe, for your invitation. It is indeed an honor and a privilege for me to uh, share this space with you. Thank you. I'm honored. No, thank you so much for your time. I, I do appreciate it. Just to um, give you a bit of an introduction to this podcast, it's basically just a little passion project of mine where I get to interview <laughs> people that inspire me personally and mm -hmm. just find out mm -hmm. what makes them tick um, through mm -hmm. a bit of a conversation. Mm -hmm. Now, mm. my relationship with you, I've been lucky to attend a couple of spiritual retreats that you have mm. conducted uh, and i know mm. that retreats are something that you run often uh, and it yeah. seems like something you're passionate about and i also know mm. that you have written your own um stuff as well and you you've got a book out there that has yes. been published yes. so these yes. are some of the things that i'm inspired by by you mm. and i'm looking mm. forward to chatting a little bit about them this um Oh yeah, on, on this show. And I mean, that's on top of your, your full-time work as uh, a minister in the Methodist Church, uh, as well yes. as I know you are a committed family man. So mm. oh, I'm very mm. interested to see what it is that keeps you motivated. Um, and mm -hmm. yeah, I'm very impressed by your productivity. So hopefully we can yeah. dig into that a little bit. Well, thank you very much. That's actually so humbling, uh, introduction and the fact that, you know, you inspired by me, but I also in, in reverse, I inspired by your passion to doing something that really appeals to your soul and, and, and speaks to you. So, so thank you very much for your kind and gracious words. 
So maybe let's start with your Ikigai. Um, now, mm-hmm. is the word Ikigai, is it something that you are familiar with? Had you come across it before I had approached you for this interview? Or is this the first time you had come across that word? <laughs> actually, actually, I've never really heard of that word before. And thank you that in your introduction, you actually explained it to me and then broken it uh, down for me. Uh, the whole issue about about the people's living, what mm. drives me, what 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 makes me tick, and all that. Mm. So it's a it's a very powerful powerful concept. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm going to read more about it. So yeah, thank you for those. I mean, I'm learning. I'm learning. We learn everything. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely, and I, I understand um, I, that I. I might need to explain a little bit about it because it's not a very common um, word or phrase, especially in our South African context. Uh, the word itself, it's a, a Japanese uh, word, almost like mm. a, a lifestyle. Um, and mm-hmm. it refers to the, the thing that really makes a person tick, like we said. Uh, yes. Some might recall, um, refer to it as someone's calling, you know, or someone's mm purpose or what is the thing that gets them up in the morning you know excited to to take on the day and i must acknowledge that our ikigai something that i have discovered is it does change at different times in our lives so Mm. your ikigai today Mm. might be a bit different to Mm. your ikigai in a few years time Mm. but if you had Mm. to perhaps in a few sentences um summarize what you believe your Ikiga is with your limited understanding of the word or perhaps your calling or your your purpose mm. what is the mm. thing that gets you up in the morning to take on the day um uh, my, my 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 purpose and, and call of life really is to unleash the purpose of other people to help them to be the best of themselves in, in the process, you see, uh, we are called in life in a process of evolution. And that is, uh, um, you know, really experiencing who we are. Uh, it's not even more about discovering who, who you are as an individual, but really getting to experience who you are, because what who you are is already in you in terms of, um, the, the, the call and the purpose of your life, the gifts that God has given you, the passion that you have, the personality traits or character qualities that you possess, all of that put together would form what you call Ikigali and your, your, your purpose for life. So for me is to help people to evolve in such a way that it will release in them the best version of themselves and be happier because it is my absolute conviction that when we live the life that God has called us to be, something that resonates with that which is deep within us, we are much happier, we are joyful, we are peaceful, and we, are beca- we become more generous but in the process, we become more creative and innovative. And, and when we live within uh, the scope of our call, it zooms us into what I call the strength zone of one's life. Each one of us has got a strength zone, a space 
or a field on which you have been called and and in that space you have got your gifts your natural talents your natural inclination your 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 provision for the work that you will be doing the resources that you need be they um, spiritual resources human resources financial resources all the things that you need would fall under what I call the your your strength zone so so my purpose in life is to facilitate people and help them to move toward their strength zone wherein they will be able to unleash the power of their soul their mind and the they are physical existence. Sure. That's so interesting that your you see your ikigai, your purpose, as helping other people realize their ikigai and their purpose. And, and that's so powerful. <laughs> and, and I've seen it through your ministry and the way that you lift other people up. And I guess you, you're in the right field of work, so to say, to, mm. to do that, to serve mm. others, you know, to uplift them. Um, mm. Yeah. When did you first recognize this calling in your life? Um, was, there, was there any specific event that happened or uh, was it a gradual process of realizing this, this life's purpose? Look, um, I, I am one of, um, I, I want to believe that one of the um, blessed and, and very lucky people in a sense that I never really struggled to figure out who I am and, and what my call and purpose in life is. As early, I mean, the, my earliest memory, and it might not be the, the first time, but it is my earliest memory, was when I was six and a half years old and, and expressing uh, verbally to people around me that when I grow up, I want to be a minister. And obviously at that time it was influenced and it, it was sparked in me by the minister who was uh, in our lives at that time as a family who was very inspirational and, and something deep within me connected with his call and connected with the work that he, they are doing. And so it is at that early age. But even as I grew up, that vision or that burning desire in me never faded. Because as even as I got into my early teens, um, the, the, the fire of being a minister and preaching and, and, and talking to people has, has been something that has been always growing. As a matter of fact, the, 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 the first public sermon that I did was at the age of 12. And it was in a convention of the Young Women's Maniano in Botswana, in a hall public hall that was packed with about 3,000 plus people. Sure. And as a 12-year-old as um, started preaching at that time, and, and it fueled the response of people, obviously looking at this young boy, um, innocent and all that, 
with a very squeaky voice, childish voice, and yet preaching the gospel. The response of the people was very encouraging, and it fueled my soul with this thing. But you see, you, you, you mentioned something very uh, profound in your introduction, that you can have your ikigali um, uh, and, and at the beginning or at some stage in your life, and as you grow, it becomes something else. And it is, and, and I don't believe it becomes something else. I think it just grows. Mm. It just grows. From the point, I mean, my, my entry point is um, my sense of deep passion for ministry. I want to be a minister. That was my entry point. But obviously over the years, I grew and grew and, and discovered other things. And at, the, at my age now, I am at a stage where I have clearly refined my own call and it has grown and it has, it has evolved to a point where I am absolutely clear that my call and my mission in this world is to teach, preach, inspire, comfort, and encourage mm. people. And that would be the ballpark of, of my gifts, of my talents, of my passion and all that, to teach, preach, inspire, comfort, and, and, and encourage. Sure. Yeah. I love the, I love the way that you just sum that up so so perfectly. And what you say about that call growing over time resonates so much with me. I was recently reflecting on my own personal call, you know, in, into mm. ministry. And I had a very similar thought that I, I've never doubted since I first received my call uh, that I am called. Yeah. But my yeah. understanding of what I'm called to has evolved over time mm. so mm. i still uh, i'm as sure now as i was when i first felt called that i am called but that call mm. does change over time um mm. and what i feel called to now has changed a little bit to what i felt called to initially but mm. i have no doubt that the the call and the one who has called me has has stayed the same don't, don't you think our calls and our purpose, and I may be going off tangent here, but it, it's adapting to the context and to, to the reality that we face. Because, look, you might have initially called, uh, thought and felt absolutely convinced that you are called for this particular ministry. And then something like COVID happens, Right where the physical reality changes, the something in the psyche of human beings opens up a, a bigger um, space or window through which we see life and our perspective is, is broadened a, a little bit. And, and therefore you find yourself then mutating you know we, we learned new terms with COVID you know we know that the virus now mutates and, and shapes and forms itself so so I think something of the spirit because our call from our spirit is so dynamic is such that when you are hit by a particular uh, revelation in your own personal journey with God but in your own personal interaction with 
factors and elements of life and people, then you find that your 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 call, your purpose, your ikigali finds a different way of expressing itself, right? So so the call is the same, but the tools are different. Mm, sure. You know? So so earlier on you might have been called to be in church and and take care of the congregation and the people you are a priest within the framework and the space of church. But as things change and the reality change, COVID happens, uh, technology evolves, your own psychological and ideological uh, beliefs and perspective grow, your own philosophical worldview is shaped differently. Then you realize that, okay, I need to employ different tools. I mean, you wouldn't have thought of a podcast uh, 10 years ago, would you? It wasn't there. But this podcast is a tool Mm. that you use to teach and help open conversations to a wider audience Mm. that might even not meet you, ever meet you physically. Mm. But you have got a tool in a podcast, in technology and other uh, things that you can use to express the score. I think we are adapting, and I think it's a good thing that our call and our Ikigali is able to express itself in a way that mutates and grows. Sure, definitely. No, I love the way that you you describe that. Now, this podcast, um, I'm trying to keep the 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 guests as diverse as possible so you and i we both we work in the methodist church as ministers so for us a lot of the terminology that we are using at the moment um, is very familiar to us and i'm sure to a lot of people who choose to listen in but perhaps for those who are not familiar with the the ministry life the life of a minister or perhaps the context of the mcsa the methodist church of southern africa so you, you spoke a little bit about your, your purpose and your calling is to help empower others to be the best that they mm-hmm. can be. And then you mentioned a couple of the characteristics that you believe are the most important and useful to you. So what does that look like for you practically? In your daily life, in your weekly life, what are some of the things that you are doing practically to uplift others, to help others become the best that they can be? Well, starting with my immediate uh, space of operation, which is a a spiritual church religious space, I I, I use uh, the methods of of retreat events, uh, spiritual retreat events, to help people to go deep into themselves to do the soul the soul searching stuff but you see the the issue about retreat is that as you say people for people people like you and i when we think about retreat we tend to think about a spiritual retreat for spiritual uh, exploration purposes but the word itself retreat it's not even a religious uh, term. It came out of a military context. 
right? And therefore, when you speak about retreat, you you are you are speaking about a space that is has been created for you to pull out of the red race of life. Whether you are an executive in a corporation, uh, in a secular space, you are a businesswoman, or you you are a laborer in in um, in, in in a farm. Or you are just a, you are a plumber, a, a worker on an ordinary day to day. We we carry a lot as people uh, in terms of the business of life, the responsibilities within the family, the demands, the financial pressures, the breaking down of relationship, the stress that comes with interacting with all facets of life, and ultimately all people need to get a space where they can have a quiet moment of reflection, of contemplation, of, of looking at things from the outside perspective and pulling out of the red race of life. So, so retreats are not only for spiritual people, but I would say even for professional edification, for, for, for enhancement in your own work as a professional, as a mother, as a father, as, as just a colleague, as a creative, um, you, you need to have that space. So retreat for me, it's something that is powerful. And, 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 and why I like that? Because in the context of our life, where mental illness um, is a big issue, for the for the whole world where stress depression panic panic attack schizophrenia uh, migraine all of those things that attack us and manifest what that we call mental illness they are a big issue and there is evidence that says uh, of research that says is going to grow even higher in a context like that, I'm saying we need to help people to find spaces of reflection, of healing, and meditation. Psychologists and psychiatrists have coined the term um, mindfulness, being present, being aware of what you're doing. So, so, so mindfulness, meditation, reflection, uh, sharing with other people, getting in spaces that are inspiring and uh, decontaminated, very helpful. So that is one aspect that I am doing. And the second one is professional development in a sense of getting people that are already qualified and are working out there, but they need to sharpen their own leadership skills how they manage their businesses, how they manage their own corporation, but even leaders within the church, how do we do that? How can we employ the latest tools and methods of the this leadership enterprise? You know, because leadership is a science in, in its much as it's, it's a spiritual gift as we understand it, you and I, but there is also a science that 
um, uh, that is employed in leadership in management. So, so as part of um, my practical work would be to take teams of leadership in in private companies. Uh, and I was I'm, I'm blessed from time to time I get opportunities to be with uh, professional teams uh, to do team buildings to do reflection on um, their working relationship and all that and all that and I believe very much in working with individuals and small teams because I think ultimately um, the strength of companies and groups and institutions depend on strong individuals and strong teams that that work together that are cohesive and effective like that mm -hmm. so it's about retreat uh, ministry uh, it's about uh, leadership and management development training it's about facilitation um, it's about coaching. I'm taking people on one-on-one -on -one coaching and it's about mentoring as well uh, for youth-focused uh, leadership uh, mentoring. Uh, I'm looking at the youth sector. I'm, I'm working with some few young leaders around me and I'm now going to move that to uh, developing teenagers, uh, teams of leaders in teenagers. So, so you've got that spirituality, uh, mm. spiritual roots, all that, all that, all that. Yeah. And this Thank is you. and this is still on top of regular preaching schedule. I'm guessing. Um, yep. So you're preaching regularly. You're leading Bible studies. <laughs> yes. You're still required to do pastoral care in your community. Yep. Um, yep. So I, it it sounds like a lot, and I know that as on top of that, like I mentioned, you are a committed family man and. Um, from what I know mm. of you, you you make sure to make time for mm. your family as well. Um, mm. How how do you stay motivated and uh, committed to being so productive in your life? Do you have any tips or any tricks or secrets that keep you motivated and help you to perhaps get to everything that you want to do without neglecting a certain part of your life, your family? or your church, or, you know, whatever it might be? I think uh, um, the, 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 the fortunate thing and the most powerful thing about my reality and my life is that I am working in a space and in a field that I am called to. Mm. So I am in my strength zone. Now, when you are in your strength zone or the field of your call and purpose, the fact of life and scientific establishment is that you will have almost unlimited, and I use the word almost, almost unlimited resources of energy and inspiration because it is an internal uh, process uh, because you love what you do, you are inspired by what you do. So that gives you energy resources that is almost unlimited. Mm. But of course, I mean, we are not machines. Uh, we get tired, we get um, discouraged, we get disappointed, we get stressed out, um, and things don't always fall into place the way you hope they will. 
And when that happens, I have established for myself a support structure in a sense that one, I have a spiritual director with whom I meet every month without a fail. I am blessed that I have a support structure in my office, a, a lady that is always making sure that I make and, and keep the appointments with my spiritual. She makes those appointments for me. So that is a very nice um, uh, support structure uh, to have somebody that holds you accountable in terms of your own spiritual care. And so I have meetings with my spiritual director every month. The second thing, I also have a life coach who is an experienced leader who is also a businessman who is not really a very churchy person. And the advantage of that is that you get somebody whose perspective and thinking and orientation is not so much deeply uh, influenced by the church or spiritual perspective. He's a pragmatist, mm. he's a businessman, and he's able to think and make you, challenge you to think uh, outside your church environment. That is helpful for me. Mm. I also have a team of about four people that are intercessors, uh, people that that pray with me and for me, you know, outside the family. I, I've not even touched the family yet. You, I've got fam, um, three to four people who are praying with me. And then I have got, I'm blessed to have a very supportive family, my wife and my boys, who are partners with me in ministry. Mm. And that for me serves as a very strong support support structure um you know and yeah i it's it's tough sometimes um i get tired i get frustrated but um after meditations because i do meditation every morning every morning without fail meditation contemplation on very good mornings i do even journaling i'm not very disciplined with journaling but um, I do it uh, so once a month or so, and it helps me track my, my thoughts and my growth and my development, my state of being. Mm. So, so I do all of those things, and they, they keep me ticking. They keep me going. Uh, they, they keep my creative juices going and, and, and moving at the same time. Sure. Thank you for sharing that so, so clearly and uh expanding on that it's, it's so interesting to hear you know what keeps you going and making sure you have a support system i think is is essential and mm. another thing that you mentioned that just hit home so hard is that that thing of uh, you know that you are in your strength zone you know yeah. you, you've realized this is your calling this is your purpose so mm. having a busy schedule is not a schlep you know it's it's something that is exciting that you have energy for because you know it's something that firstly you are blessed to be able to do well and then because you know it's making a difference in the world and that links closely to this 
this element of ikiga because they say mm. that even if your ikiga is a menial task perhaps it's um making soup every day for a soup kitchen or mm. whatever be- yeah. even though you're doing the same thing every day and for a lot of people that could be boring but because mm. you've realized the impact that it's making in the world or mm. you've realized that this is your strength zone or your calling mm. it it mm. isn't uh, boring or repetitive mm. because mm. it gives you life it gives you energy and i think that's so mm. important to discover what it is and if possible if you can find your work that lines up with your purpose and your ikiga then you know mm. that even better um, yep. there's that whole thing about you'll never work a day in your life if you yeah. are doing yeah. something that gives you energy and and passion and i think a lot of people yeah. get stuck doing something that they don't enjoy and they're not mm. good at or it's more mm. you know it's something that they have to do and mm-hmm. I think we need to acknowledge that sometimes people have to do that because it's the only way that they can make money and provide for their family. Yeah. But yeah. I think it's so important to find ways to bring your passions into your work in life um, in whatever yeah. way that you can. I don't know if that makes sense at all. It does make sense perfectly, absolutely. Uh, I mean, in, in, in my book that you referred to earlier on, The Creative Passionate Genius, I am um, quoting a, a research that was done by Gallup. Uh, Gallup is a research institute in, in, in America, worldwide research that they did. Um, and they discovered that 70% of people in the world work in spaces that they do not enjoy. They are working outside their strength zone. And what that means is that you have about 70% of the workforce in the world that are not happy at work, that are not putting their best, mm-hmm. that cannot, uh, that, that are restricted in terms of exercising their maximum uh, creative abilities. They cannot be as innovative as you would be if you were in your a strength zone or in your element, so to speak. And therefore, um, a lot of, of, of what we, what manifests as stress, as depression, impatience, irritation, panic attack, conflict and disputes and all the problems that we're dealing with in a workspace, it is simply because people are easily upset uh, because they are not in their uh, strength zone or working in within uh, the parameters of their call and purpose, their their ikiga. Uh, mm-hmm. What ikiga. is that? Is that <laughs> ikiga? Ikiga. Yes, <laughs> I, I twisted my tongue there. That's so, right. so, so absolutely important. Absolutely important. I mean, it's boring to work to wake up every morning to go and do something that you 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 hate with passion mm. you don't like you are not inspired by it simply because it puts bread on top of your table mm. you know 
And, and, and I know the economy is tough at the moment, I mean, the global economy. Um, but if even as you do the work that provides for the bread, can you please find an activity, even though it does not pay, that inspires your soul? Because that will drive your creative energies and keep you going. So, so, so I encourage people that are listening to this conversation to really say, if you find yourself in a, in a situation where you've got to work so that you can provide, please find an activity of your passion. Mm. And who knows, whilst you are still fiddling in that space of passion, you might discover, uh, you might hit the awe or the space where your provision will come from. Mm. Sure. It's so important. And I've seen it in, so like yourself, um, I enjoy writing a little bit. And one of my mm. goals is to, to publish a book one day. But anyway, what I right. found is when I am writing about things that, you know, I, I think, okay, maybe this is what other people would like to read. Um, I struggle to find motivation or inspiration. But if I just sit down and write about something that I am, you know, inspired about or something that fascinates me, even though no one else might read it, that's when the creative juices, you know, really get flowing because I'm passionate about it because it yeah. excites me. Um, now that you, you did mention your, your book, I did want to chat a bit uh, about that. You, you mentioned it's called The Creative Passionate Genius. And I yes. see you've just um, got a second print out, uh, which yes. obviously means that yes. uh, it was doing well and um, yes. it, it sold the, all of the, the first prints. Can you just mention a little bit about it? Um, what exactly is it about? Um, where can people get it if they would like to to read it themselves? So, so the creative passionate genius is essentially about how you align your mental and your your soul resources in a way that will uh, spark or uh, activate the creative juices of your life that you know as as human beings as i put it in that book we are a triune space we are a trinitarian being three faculties of our lives the physical the uh, the psycho emotional and the spiritual beings and 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 we create at all of those three levels we, we, our primary uh, faculty of creation is at a soul level, much as people think that the mind uh, and the brain level is the creative space. Actually, it, it holds a limited um, creative um, abilities. Mm -hmm. your, your primary and most powerful creative is at a soul level. And then it moves on to uh, the psycho-emotional creative space. And then the third and the final level of our creativity, um, we create at a physical level, where now you take action. 
uh, or you act on your thoughts, on your ideas, and they become a reality. And when you act on your thoughts, then you become, you then uh, produce an, um, an experience of realizing who you are. So the purpose of my book is to help people how you align your, your soul, your psychological, and your physical energies. It's about alignment. And to that effect, I am putting down seven principles that will help you to reach what I call a spiritual and an intellectual climax. You know, I'm being a little bit naughty and daring in that because I'm using the analogy of, of, of sex and lovemaking, reaching climax, mm -hmm. you know, you, you don't reach climax unless you, you know, you, you start with the play and prepare and align, you know, and there is connection with what you are doing. And boom, when you reach that climax, all the creative juices are coming out. And that's why I call it the spiritual and the intellectual uh, climax. And there are seven principles that I have identified that you will find in the book. So the book is about alignment to a point where you can show your creative power that God has blessed you with. Sure. Well, I won't ask you to explain what those seven principles are. Everyone listening Please in don't. must Let go and buy the book. Yeah, go and buy the book. Um, where about yes. can they get it from? I see you're also doing a bit of a roadshow um, to advertise the book. Yes. Where about will you be? Yeah, I, uh, I'm doing the roadshow. Um, and, and it happens in two ways. I, I take invitations to different areas, villages, cities, townships, suburbs, whatever, you know, in different parts of the country. The second part is, is, is what I call an offensive approach, a proactive approach, where I would um, ask and approach and call people to an event, um, say, for instance, in Bloemfontein, in Free State, where I use my contacts there to say, I will be having this event. Can you get me, uh, organize for me, lead us around that space? And we are going to go through the book material for a day seminar type thing. And, 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 and then I wait for inv invitations from corporations, from churches. And as I say, uh, go on the offensive and then just invite people. So, so I, I do it once a month, take an area, and depending on my time uh, resources, I'm able to do uh, two towns or so per month. So that's what we do over and above. And then we run retreats, material, retreats based on the material. We run leadership um, experiences based on the material and and we sell the book and i speak uh, because i'm also a public speaker so i take invitations for for that it's yeah it's it's, it's a busy but exciting people's living <laughs> mm, i can see that i really can um i think a lot of people uh, w will be scared by the amount that you actually do and they will wonder but i think what has come out of this chat for me so much is the the importance of balance. So in order to be able yes. to do as much as you are doing, 
as much as it is your passion and it gives you energy, you you still find time to retreat. You find time to be restful, to be uh, contemplative. And then out of that, you know, this passion, this purpose, this ikiga grows and flows out of that. So, yeah, it's just been so encouraging to, to hear the way that you structure your life um, in order that it gives you energy and you can still fulfill your passions and your purpose. Yeah, it, it has got to, I mean, the rhythm of life, of, of, of a busy life has got to be that, you know, it, it starts with, with, with retreating into yourself and, 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 and being consciously present and contemplating and meditating and, and fueling your own internal resources and resting your mind because through meditation, then, then you rest your mind. By the time I start the day and hit uh, the busy schedule and be pulled this way and that way and that way, I've given my mind a very good ground, a grounding or foundation for it then to launch into the day like that. So it is absolutely important that my day starts with, with prayer and with meditation. The longer the meditation, the better the day and the better the ideas. Mm. I, I find something mysterious that I, I, I cannot explain and I don't think science is able to explain this. You know, when I have the busiest day uh, and I've got to think about this and that and do that work, if I spend like one one hour, 30 minutes or two, two hours just in meditation and contemplation mm. and holding my peace. By the time I come up out of that deep area of being quiet, I find that my ideas flow like this. I, they, they flow very quickly. I'm able to know that, okay, for this one, ask Joe Taylor will do this for you and then call that one and then this is the concept and then I'm preparing for my sermon even as I drive so I'll, I'll be able to remember the scriptures. It's almost that there is it's, it's a cooperation and the, the spirit, the elements in the spirit cooperate with you to bring ideas to know people who will help you with that. Call this one, send this message and do this and do this. And all of that almost come to all the ducks in the row and, and there is a click mm. and, and things happen like that. So meditation for me is the biggest, biggest magic uh, key that I hold. And it's so sad how often for most people and myself included, we, we almost seem to, we want to spend time in meditation and reflection and silence, but we only really do it if we have a bit of extra time for it. So when we have a busy schedule, we try to make sure we fit everything in that has to be done. And then if there's some time left over, we squish in a bit of prayer, a bit of, you know, meditation. But like you've said, it's when we, flip the script and we begin with that when we realize the importance of um, stilling ourselves and spending yeah. time in meditation and prayer um, mm -hmm. then like you said everything else 
does fall into place. We don't know how it does because when we plan mm. it out, it mm. won't. But yeah, it just mm. shows the importance of starting with centering yourself. And I think that has yeah. come out through a lot of what you what you have said. Center on yourself and then pacing yourself, mm. you know, um, working effectively, following your planned, uh, planned schedule and, and being disciplined. I guess the whole thing um, the, comes down to discipline. Um, you, you, you have a two o'clock appointment with Joe Taylor, keep that appointment and stick to time and all that. All of those are critical aspects uh, that would make you effective and, and joyful. Um, keeping balance between spiritual, physical exercise and mental exercise for me works. Spiritual, physical and mental mm -hmm. exercises. I, I walk, I walk in the mornings and it's not, uh, when I'm not very athletic. But, but walking makes such a difference. Uh, so it's important that the physical side of things as well is taken care of. I, I read a lot. I listen to inspiring messages on, on YouTube and other social media. So that's, that's for your mental food and, and, and energizing. And uh, yeah, as I said, I, I, I read because I've got to do research for my uh, writing and all that but meditation, prayer, and all that. So you've got a triangle mm -hmm. of, of um, your routine that, that anchors you like that. Sure. And they're all linked, like you said. You can't focus on one without the other because somewhere yes. you, you are going to fall short. Mm. Sure. Mm. Well, I'm very yeah. aware of uh, our time and as yeah. we are coming to a close, one of the questions that I, I like to ask other people um, is just what in their space of the world is something that they are hopeful about for the future? So, yeah, Rev, where you currently are, where you find yourself, uh, what is something that you have noticed or something that you are excited about for the future? What gives you hope? For the future you'll be surprised what gives me hope is the generation of my children mm. the what, what we call the alpha generation you know we've got the different generations the boomers uh, the silent the exiles the millennials and now we've got uh, the alpha generation which is children born between the ages of 2010 and 2025. I'm a futuristic thinker um, in my approach. And, and, and I look at these children, I, I, I look at the trends of the world and where things are going and how the economies are shaping and technology is developing, how the human psyche has suddenly opened up a little bit more how there is a deep yearning of spirituality, meaning, and purpose. People are asking deeper question of why and not necessarily what is happening. And people are asking questions of meaning and purpose. All of that put together. And the education system that 
has got to be revolutionized and is forcing itself to be revolutionized as technology takes over. All of those aspects brought together gives me hope that the generation of my children, the alpha generation, is going to crack uh, solutions or that will make the human species to evolve to its higher version of itself. Mm. So the point is those like me who are parents at the moment, parents to this generation, may we please respond with a meticule with, with, with passion and accuracy to the call of parenting. Mm. Can we do this parenting thing well? Can we make sure that we have strong families? We have strong children who are affirmed, who are encouraged, who are inspired, who are protected physically, emotionally, spiritually, and mentally. Can we protect our children because they are the hope for bringing solutions that are we have never dreamt of in this world? Yeah, and that is so that needed. Is. Um, but it is hopeful mm. that that next generation mm. could be the one uh, that steps mm. up and mm. provides solutions to many of the problems that we have uh, sometimes been at fault at creating. We have messed up. We have messed up big time as, as this generation. <laughs> in many ways, in many ways. <laughs> no, but thank you so much for your time. And um, I, I really love what you shared today. And it, it has inspired me. And I'm sure it is going to inspire many people uh, who listen in. And yeah, just as you go and you continue to follow your uh, Ikigai, uh, as you continue to uplift others and empower others uh, through your ministry and your work in the wider context that you find yourself, um, yeah, I pray that you would be blessed as you continue yeah. in that work. If people would like to follow you further, um, how could they do so? Where can they get hold of you if they would like to? Uh, where could they follow you on socials or website? Yes, um, they can find me on Facebook as Mohumuzi Dukwileng, Mohumuzi Dukwileng, and then at, uh, you, you find me on Twitter at Ref Mohumuzi and then you also find me on Instagram as Mohumutsidu Kileng. And then we have a website uh, that is www.refmohumutsi.com. And if they can uh, follow that, um, that would be great. But also just to say, Joe, thank you very much for your creativity in doing this work. You know, podcasts and all that, those are alternate, alternative media that is taking over from the traditional media of radio, television, newspaper, and all that. There is this um, developing space of, of alternative media, and podcasts are the thing of the future. 
just following your passion and the vision that you possess in doing this work, engaging people and communities in uh, um, um, conversations and, and provoking thought through different people. It is a creative way of doing ministry, but also keeping conversations and thinking uh, going on in our community. So thank you for your creativity. Thank you so much. It really has been a pleasure. Uh, I wish we had more time because I feel like there's so much more I would like to speak to you about, but maybe we can do a part two sometime in the future. (laughs) That that would be great. Um, There's a a book that we are going to release very soon uh, around the call and the purpose, the gifts and the passion so we can maybe talk about that one when when it's launched oh great that would fall right in line with with this podcast and what it's all about yes so it can be part two i will definitely be in touch with you for a part two once that is is released thank you so much and i hope you have a, a blessed day and week further thank you bless you too and a good goodbye everybody thank you